0: Pass, 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 the, poutine.
1: pass is the Poutine Fries, cheese curds, and
0: chicken gravy Pass the Poutine Hi everyone, it is your host Nina from Pass the Poutine Podcast Today we have a very special guest His name is Albert and he is an entertainer You're an Asian entertainer Hi Albert, welcome to the podcast Hello
1: everybody, uh, my name is Albert I am a entertainer in Vancouver And yeah that's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about like what it was like growing up, because I know you're you're Taiwanese. Yes, I am. So um, you're you're full Taiwanese. Yes,
1: I'm full Taiwanese. Yeah. And,
0: and I don't actually don't know a lot of Taiwanese people in Vancouver. Um,
1: yeah, there used to be um, a bigger concentration of it, but uh, these last few years, there's a lot of uh, people from Mainland China. You know, uh, they got in here, and a lot of people kind of immigrated back into Taiwan. Uh, and I, from what I understand. There's a lot of kids that grew up here. They ended up immigra- immigrating back to Taiwan because, you That's, know, it's hard to live in Vancouver.
0: That, what? I've never heard of that. Can yeah, you, there is, there oh, is. Can you tell
1: me a little more about that? Okay, so so this is just what I've heard and I, what I've seen on a few videos. So apparently what happened was there was a uh, there's quite a few kids that uh, their parents brought them here. They immigrated here into Canada. And then um, after they graduated university or studies here, whether in, in Canada or in, like, the U.S., Uh, they have a tendency to go back not a lot of them but like there have been some just because of how hard it is to afford to live in Vancouver and then so like you know because they have like a, a foreign degree and so like they're more I guess more valuable they have more job opportunities in Taiwan so like some of them went back and to like as far explore as, those kind of options yeah and that's far as i know but that's what i've heard a little bit about okay. too yeah
0: so you went to high school in taiwan as yes, well. yes i did as well so wait so you only lived in canada for like four years
1: um technically after i came back to after i came back which was in 2013 so i've lived in canada for a total of like 10 years now
0: oh, okay yeah Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. But
1: I, I never considered myself like kind of cut off from Canada because I always came back here during like summer and winter vacations whenever I can. I still had friends here and so like that's kind of what kept me connected to Canada, I feel like. And that's what like I felt I I can't call myself completely like a Taiwanese person and not a Canadian. Like that's one of the reasons why I feel like that.
0: Do you feel like more Canadian or Taiwanese?
1: Honestly right now at this point I feel like I'm a balance of both. At least that's what I hope I want to be. There's there's definitely parts where I appreciate my Taiwanese part a little bit more and there's definitely parts where I appreciate being Canadian more, you know. During that process I kind of realized that people knew more about China than they knew about Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And even though like they were okay with me correcting them, they didn't like like they didn't, like, uh, say, oh, oh, my God, why are you emphasizing your Chinese identity so much? But it was just kind of like then I realized that, oh, this is what kind of feels like when people don't really know about where you're coming from. And then, like, and that's when you feel like that sense of, like, oh, I have an identity, but people don't recognize that. Right. And that, that, that for me was kind of, I think, triggered this, uh, I wouldn't say patriotic, but it kind of made me realize how much I kind of value myself as a Taiwanese you know I, I don't think you wanted
0: to like get people to know that like know your people and
1: your yeah more like that because it, it's I, I I can't really describe this feeling to people because it, it's a weird kind of feeling where you feel lost like mm-hmm. people just denying your identity but it's not on purpose it's just because they simply don't it's just don't... ignorance or something it's not it's not necessarily ignorance it's more because like like I said how like there's a lot more Chinese people coming in right and so they pushed us out in a way like unconsciously. And so when that happens it's like people see them more than they see you. Right. And then it's not so much ignorance it's just that because you didn't you don't have that big of a like I, f- I guess presence in the whole like landscape and then they just kind of d- don't know about you. And then then they don't remember you because because of that lack of presence. presence. And so that's kind of what made me realize uh, this is ha- this is what's happening. Even though it's c- completely like unconsciously and it's not purposed but it feel it feels like for me that Chinese people are being edged out a little bit and so mm. that's what kind of got me more aware of what's happening with everything yeah i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a particularly like politically educated person it's just like because of this sense of like uh attachment to home and then like the sense of identity and I started to look into more about this and I started to look back into history and how like I was taught how the world was taught and then everything as much as I can on the subject that helps me kind of, uh, that helps me maintain who I am and what I, sh- what I could do to help the world know better about Taiwan.
0: Right. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, that was so great. Like thank you for sharing that. That's I love me You're welcome. Like I love meeting people that are like passionate about their background, especially in Canada when we have such like a, a diverse mix of people. Mm, uh, yeah, of like course. cultural mosaic or whatever. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on like when you were in Taiwan, like you you hold a Canadian passport. Did you feel like like a Canadian sort of privilege when you were there? Like where people were like, Hey Albert's like the Canadian guy or anything like that.
1: Uh I mean I didn't feel like that, like out of, like, pride or, you know, like, a sense of superiority. I didn't feel like that. But I was constantly reminded that I had a Canadian passport, I that I was Canadian by my peers because, um, you know, kids can be, like, kind of cruel, you know, teens when they're, like, young and they, 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 they say things. So when I went back, like, people knew me as the, the kid that came from Canada. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, cause, you know, because, like, when you're introduced to, like, a new class when you just yeah, got into yeah. school right. and, like, you... And like like you don't have to talk about it but like somehow people would know about it just mm-hmm. because of the things you do and and the things you do is not be and are not because like you wanted to show off it's just because like oh I'm interested in this because of how I grew up because right. of how I I was raised because I'm I'm like what you guys would say good at English
0: Right right And so
1: of of course as a kid you would want to be do th- be doing things that are that 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 like you're good at or you want to be you like, want to be you, more connected to right yeah yeah, yeah yeah and so like you just do it and then people would just kind of assume that you either want to show off or stuff like that mm-hmm. and so during this whole process of growing up and like i i did like the last year of elementary school there so the six years of elementary school in taiwan so six years of elementary school in taiwan i did the last year and i did three years of middle school and i did three years of high school and wow. four years of co- five years of college mm-hmm. and so Uh, during the years before college I even in college sometimes like I was known as a kid that came back I was known as a person that came back from Canada I was known as a person that had a Canadian passport and people would kind of make jabs at it whether it's like with malice or just kind of jokes, but like it always make me con, it always made me conscious of like who I was, even though I knew I was Taiwanese, but people kept reminding me that I was Canadian.
0: That's so funny, that's yeah. so funny that you feel that way, like in Taiwan. Um, because I feel that way in Canada because people always remind me that I'm not Canadian just because mm. I'm not white, yeah. And then it's interesting that you have the reverse of that, like, I'm, yeah, I like I don't think I've ever been reminded that I was more Canadian than I am Asian in my uh, way. Yeah. I don't
1: think people like would say that I'm more Canadian but people would keep constantly reminding me that you're Canadian you're from Canada like yeah. they would make jokes like oh you're Canadian yeah. you're fine you're, you're blah 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 like why are you not mm-hmm. like speaking English you're Canadian and then people and then my friends would like push me to these awkward situations where like there's um there's like um, foreigners that need help and they speak English with oh, right. they why like don't you why don't you just go you? Yeah, they were like, why don't you just go you're you, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, oh, just go you speak English yeah, you're, yeah. You're be there for a guy yeah like, yeah help yeah. yeah help them out <laughs> and like, like as a kid you know I, I I wasn't like the most outgoing person even oh, now I'm not really? like I, I might look like it but like I would always call myself an introverted ex- like extroverted introvert okay like I'm definitely an introvert at heart okay so like as a person who was shy and didn't have much confidence and like, mm-hmm. people just keep pushing you and you're just like why are you pushing me to talk to foreigners i know i can yeah, talk to them but yeah. they're they're strangers and i'm i'm, yeah. I'm freaking shy you don't believe yeah, it yeah. but i am and then, and then like exactly just and because then, why i don't p- speak
0: english doesn't mean yeah. i don't have anxiety yeah, yeah. and then, yeah. so
1: like i keep getting pushed into these situations and then and then honestly like i don't hate the people that did it but it's mm-hmm. just kind of like kind of built upon my like like my insecurities as a person and then i just like I think I grew up a lot of times feeling like I, I don't have confidence. I didn't believe myself in a, like, I talked about this with somebody else. And then like, even though I, like, in Taiwan, I would be considered good in English. Right. But, like, people keep calling me on that. People keep telling me that, oh, you're good in English. Uh, like, like, in
0: Taiwan Yeah, or in, here in Taiwan, in Taiwan. Taiwan. Yeah, so, like,
1: <clears throat> people keep telling me that. And then, and I didn't, I'm not the best student in school, too. And then everything else was... Average or like below average in school. And but my my really my only good subject was like English, and then some other subjects are like second, but like people would keep emphasizing, Oh, you're just good at English. And then so that that kind of led me to believe that even though you guys consider me good at English, but that doesn't really help me build a confidence. And so, like, it kind of made me feel like even my only my only advantage isn't like, isn't worth really anything else because that's the only thing I'm good at. And so like, I was constantly made to believe that like everything happened when like with other people and then maybe they did it unconsciously, but I didn't realize all of this kind of, I wouldn't say like, I don't, these experiences, I didn't realize it until I grew up and I kind of went back into like, like understanding who I am as a person. It was like, Oh, this is what happened. I knew this was, this was what happened, but I didn't know how to like interpret it or I didn't know how, how it affected me until like I grew up and I, I revisited those um, bad experiences and then I kind of just like oh so this is what happened and so that was a very interesting part of me growing up because mm-hmm. I had these really weird interactions with my peers
0: yeah like um, so after after you graduated university in Taiwan well what did you study by the way
1: I actually studied theater so that theater? was like a oh. choice that was a conscious choice too. oh my god you studied yeah. theater
0: so yeah um, I, I want to go into that because like that's not a, a typical choice for like an Asian person. Yeah, definitely right? not. <laughs> so so what like what inspired you to study theater? Like, did you have any like actors that you looked up to growing up?
1: Um, so when I was a kid, like I, I I always had like a natural like
0: attraction. Gr-
1: uh, yeah, I would say attraction towards performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a kid I always loved singing to Disney songs. Nice. <laughs> it was really, yeah, like a favorite. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Lion King. Lion King is all <laughs> all time favorite. Lion King, no doubt about that. But yeah, like when I grew up I always liked singing, like just in my house. Nice. And then I um, I was kind of always singing different things to myself like whether it was like Backstreet Boys when I was when I came here it was the Backstreet Boys was just on the rise I don't know Mm. if people still remember Backstreet Boys they're dope yeah (laughs) yeah, check them out yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) check out Backstreet Boys and NSYNC so like I grew up with that and like I grew up with like R&B tracks that Mm. like you know early late 19 late 90s and early 2000s and so I grew up with those um and then when I got back into when I got back to Taiwan like I still listened to music but I, I listened to a lot more like Mandarin music uh, or so like oh. th- there's a genre ca- there's a genre called mando pop so okay. yeah there's so there's I'm not gonna go into that but, but wh- like
0: why do we call it mando pop and not like m-pop I don't know okay but, okay <laughs> like,
1: but anyways because I, I think that came like they came before k-pop but then like that oh, was established in mando pop I but anyways you. so like I, I I kept exposing myself to music because that's just what I liked and I also participated in like um, little like productions uh, in the school like that's based on English because you know I was I was apparently good at English. So uh and then during that process I find myself like really interested in performing even though I was shy and like introverted as a kid. And during like high school, uh, I had a really good relation with my uh, music teacher and then she kind of encouraged me to pursue something in the performing
0: arts. Your music teacher? Yeah, my
1: music teacher in high school. Uh in a in in a country where like um, arts isn't encouraged. It's really weird that, um, my, one of my biggest like push for into like pushing, like but one of my biggest force into pushing me into doing arts was my music teacher that, mm-hmm. you know, she wasn't featured prominently in school. And so like, because I knew I didn't have like a formal music education, you know, I didn't go to like music class. I didn't take that much private lessons. Uh, like, for me for me to start off fresh after doing, like, high school, um, theater or, like, drama was, like, the choice for me. And so I went into it without knowing that much about it. But, like, during that process of doing theater in school, I fell in love with just the art of performing, not just theater itself. And then I think, I think that helped me build my identity as a performer a lot more. Yeah.
0: Mm, awesome. So, yeah. Wait. So So you wanted to study art, and I know, like, Asians in general, like, our parents always really want us to like study something that's more secure. So yeah, should, like, definitely. Pay, like keep the lights <clears throat> on. Yeah. So, so how did your parents feel when you're like, I'm gonna pursue theater?
1: Um. So my immediate, my immediate par- like my immediate family, which is like my mom, my dad, and my grandparents.
0: You're an only child.
1: Yeah, I'm an only child. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't have okay. any siblings people say they can tell (laughs) yeah so like my mom like she wasn't completely discouraged discouraging me to do that um my dad was a little bit more uh against it but he didn't like like stop me Um, your
0: parents are pretty tame like
1: they're yeah they're like they've kind of gave me like a liberty of growing up like they didn't put that much rules on me like uh i i went to like um Uh, So I I I I'll explain this quickly. So in Taiwan, like you have to obviously take tests to get into school, starting from middle school. So I in starting middle school, I had to take a test to get into high school, and that determines like my test scores would determine what level of high school I could get into, and then it's the same for colleges. So like in high school, you have to take a exam to get into, like, to determine which college you, or, like, you, which university you can get into. So, like, I got lucky because I took, like, an English proficiency exam that helped me got into, get into, like, a class for the gifted English, in terms of English, for high school. So I got into a high school that was way above my academic performance in Taiwan. And so uh, <clears throat> because of that, uh, because of that trait and how I grew up, my parents really never really put an emphasis on how I should perform academically. So, they kind of, they didn't give me complete freedom, but they gave me the choice to, like, kind of, as long as you try your best at school, and as long as you know what you want to do, we're okay with it. So, when I said I wanted to do theater, they weren't super against it, but they weren't, like, they weren't, I guess, positive. No, 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 they weren't positive about it. Like, they weren't, like, they... I think they felt neutral, but they they also felt that I could have had better choices. Okay. Because okay. I picked the school that was far from where I lived. Like it was, it was like a four hour drive from my home. Oh my god. Yeah. So like they they weren't they weren't thrilled at the fact that I picked the school that was four hours away. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. But like Probably they weren't that.
1: they weren't that against me picking theater. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They just wouldn't like yeah, like I said, I feel, I think they feel neutral. They just worry that like, Oh, are you able to feed yourself when you grow up? That's the only thing they worry about. They're not worried about like, Oh, are you able to raise a family? Are you able to take care of us when we retire? They're more worried about the fact that I'm not able to feed myself. That's it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I feel like they haven't gave me like a lot of like backlash for it. Uh, But my, my relatives, they, they've been a little bit more critical. But I, I feel like I'm okay with it because you know they're my relatives. I'm not, I'm not constantly engaging with them, like all the time. You know, I live with my parents more, so I feel like, oh, like your opinion, I'll take it. But you know, like my the, your opinion shouldn't affect me that much. So I kind of knew as a kid, but I didn't know what it was. Like a lot of things, I, I found, I found out when I grew up. So that's kind <laughs> of how it was.
0: No, nice, like. So, after you graduate, you study theater and you moved back to Canada. Mm. So, how has like your job searching and stuff been? because I know like making it <clears throat> in in any sort of creative or entertainment field is quite difficult mm.
1: yes, definitely um so I came back to Canada without really really knowing what like the the environment was um, I just knew that um Taiwan didn't have that good of a environment for doing arts because you know. Uh, like I said, like they're a more academic focused con- like country with that whole like culture of it. And so like I came to Canada f- feeling like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to use my, I'm just going to come back because I, I can speak English without an accent. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to try to make it in the, um, in the theater, in the arts community here. Nice. And then when I came back to Canada, I found out that it was like a huge film and TV industry here. Mm-hmm, and so I kind of shifted grab, like more naturally towards that just because um, I know that's a that's a better way for me to make a living, and so that's kind of how I came back here. And then during that whole process, like the last few years, um, I've worked normal, like you know, um, jobs at like um, retail. Uh, I've also worked the, the in the struggle, office. The <coughs> yeah, struggle, I've like also I worked in totally? in the office uh-huh. for a bit, uh, yeah. and then um, and then. I quit my um, office job actually just last year. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so so how
0: long were you working the office <clears throat> job before you So so
1: like I I hadn't like an office job for almost 2 years before last uh, February. Full time. Uh it was more or less full time. I cuz I was doing like a, like a very easy and like chill job. Right. So like I didn't work full hours, but I it was Practically a full time job because I was mm-hmm. in there like four or five days of the week,
0: and then hustling to do like your, your yeah, and then whenever
1: training. I had time, I just like try to do acting jobs on the side. But I yeah. it, as a but you know when you work in an office for full time, it's really hard to because you don't have you can't really commit that much, right? Exactly your availability. Yeah, and so is and then special. before that, I, I actually did um I actually did a diploma course here in um, SFU, uh, so I actually study translation and interpretation so i actually have a diploma on that oh, so uh, that was on yeah. yeah that was actually like my mom's idea and so she's <laughs> like she's like yeah you should do a job that, yeah. that that has flexibility and you can make some money off it so you wouldn't starve to death as an artist and so yeah. like and i just like kind of got pushed into mom's it and like, got your back. <laughs> yeah and then so i was like sure i'll do it like i'm good at it but i'm like eh, i'm not that interested in it but like you know what it's not a hard job for me so i'll right. do it right. yeah I, like and then so like I did that and so before that I, I was working for about almost a year or two. Um, like I started that school in like I think late 2005, 2015. so I was working like maybe about, for about a year or two before that. And so after working, I went into school and after graduated, I was job searching for a bit and then I started my office job in 2017. Mm Because I finished school in 2016, so I was working, like, different things in the middle. And so that's kind of, like, my whole process. But at the same time, like, this this whole process, I was still trying to work in the entertainment industry. I was trying to look for people to collaborate. I was trying to Yeah, how
0: how did you get started? Like, because I know with entertainment in almost every field, it's, like, it's all about who you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very interesting because I started doing, like, background, like, I think any other actor here. Like,
0: extra work. Yeah, like,
1: extra work. So, um the first few months after I came back, uh, you know, after I graduated from school in Taiwan, it was t- late 2013 when I came back for the first few months, I didn't really know what to do because I had no connections. I obviously knew nobody. And so
0: start literally. Yeah. Doing.
1: I started. I started literally from nothing. And uh. so, um, there were, so I think like in, I think March or April of 2014, uh, I feel like, Oh, I had, I think I actually had to do something and so I was still I was very interested invested more in music that time uh, and I was looking for opportunities to perform so I I looked online see like you know where I could perform for free you know just kind of trying to get my name yeah, out like there open mics yeah open mics and so yeah. that's what I found I found like an open mic in downtown um, I'm sure if you're from if you're from Vancouver you might know this place it's a place on gravel called Trees Cafe it's very close to Waterfront and so I found that place and that I started doing open mic for almost a year and starting from that place i i went into open mics all over town Uh, i met somebody i met a friend there and he introduced me to doing extra work he gave me like a website and then i went on there and i applied for it because it was free and so i applied to do extra work and i was doing my first extra job uh, i think a few weeks later and during may And then that was... I can actually talk about this now because the movie came out. Uh, It was Night at the Museum 3, and I got to see Robin Williams in the flesh before he passed away in August that year, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Same year. Yeah. He passed away in August uh, due to a suicide. I'm sure most people know by now. But I I was lucky that I got to see him in the flesh because he was always, like, one of my biggest inspirations as an actor growing up. So, like, I was like, oh, shit, I got to see... Oh shit! I There's swear. <laughs> yeah, I got to yeah. see one of my um, like my favorite one of my favorite actors in the world, and like I didn't know he was gonna pass away, but like I saw him like if only I could have like if only I could have worked with him like on a more closer level, but then he right. passed away. I was like, ah, oh, at least yeah. I got to see him. That was like crazy. yeah.
0: Crazy and in the same yeah. year too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh so like that gosh. was like
1: how I got my first foray into it, and then. Yeah. And after talking to people on set, like you found more, you, you can find more resources like on Craigslist or like websites that'll help you find agents or acting classes or meet people or find auditions. So and I, I just use that opportunity to meet more people and talk to more people. And then in the process, I gained more resources and I met more people and I was able to start to like slowly like creep my way into the entertainment industry here. So yeah, that's kinda how that's kinda how I started here.
0: Yeah, no, like it's it's honestly such a hustle to get into anything artistic. And I think a lot of people like that aren't in the artistic field like don't really understand how difficult it is. Because it 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 has to be like it really has to be a passion. It really is. Like really something you really want. Mm. Um you are Asian though Mm. and like you're trying to break it into the entertainment industry in Canada. Mm. Have you found that there's been some like pushback because you're not like White
1: or anything? Um, I feel I'm pretty fortunate in that sense where, like, I don't really have, I would say, hard resistance, but I would awesome. say definitely soft resistance, such as, like, I'm being typecasted. Okay. Uh, I still remember that when I went into my first kind of talk with an agency, like, for for uh, principal actors, uh, they, that, which means that they'll look for um, main or starting or supporting roles for you in, like, whether it's TV series or uh, movies. So I, I still remember when I went into it first. Um, they said that they would be willing to sign me, and then after I took a few acting classes, but so that, that was beside the point. But one of the points that they mentioned was, um, if they wanted to submit me for auditions, they probably would have, would have to submit me for mainly roles of like the, the best friend, the sidekick.
0: Did they said this to your face? Yeah, they like, said it to me. Did they, did they say like, you would have to also maybe do accents and stuff? No, no, no,
1: not, not that far, but like, I'd be <laughs> like the, I'd be like the token, like best friend and like sidekick wow. or like the, the more like nerdy, like the stereotypical Asian thing I, I because I'm more, that. because they, because they looked at me and they think that like I'm more suited to do comedian you're, work you're which are not I, the main character yeah, guy. but which I'm fine with I I I love comedy mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like you you hear that and you you understand how like the
0: industry how is. yeah how the
1: industry is towards like Asian actors which I'm really glad right now we have at first ever since we had crazy rich Asians and fresh off the boat we're, it's blown up. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we we Asians can we can really finally right. see like Asians in a different light you know and that and, and that's great for me but yeah like so, and but that's what I've experienced, and now, like, I have like a different agency that actually helps me do commercials. And then when I look at the um the commercial auditions I'm being sent into, it's always like the the nerdy writer, the Asian, or like, the or, Asian, yeah, yeah, the Asian. <laughs> like, they literally, Just obviously, the obviously, like, you know, I'm like, if they if they specify like what type of ethnicity, like they specify like, like you're Korean. you're Asian or Asian, right? Like, yeah. But at the same time, I'm being casted into these roles that like that are not like open ethnicity. You know, I'm always being mostly, most of the time I'm being submitted into roles that are like the sidekick, Some the sort in, of
0: like affirmative action. Yeah. 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 Level. And then,
1: and then I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have, I don't have that big of a grudge as I did before or like, I don't have that big of an attitude, so but it's you, like, I still you, see it.
0: When you first started, you felt like a little bit of a grudge that you were being constantly typecasted. Yeah. Because
1: obvious, because for me, I feel like, I want to be known that I can do multiple things I don't want to just be known as you know like the the staple sidekick I don't want to be just known as the staple Asian or the stereotypical Asian that I I can only do nerdy things you know I don't I feel like not just when we're talking about bad Asians I feel like I'm not the typical Asian you know like I have I wear glasses but I'm also like 5'11 which is like a lot of Asians don't have that height, you know? Mm. I'm also, like, a big and burly Asian instead of, like, the skinny like or, like, nerdy, the, scrawny. Scrawny, yeah, guy, the scrawny... Yeah, the scrawny... The nerdy scrawny guy, you know? And I feel like people keep putting Asian in that light. But, you know, like, a- like Asians, just like every other type of people in the world that we have we're multifaceted we're just like we're not yeah we're not just like one single type of person we're not all good at computers mm-hmm. we're not all good at math we're not all right. good at like you know we don't all like, study computer science yeah we're not all we're not all we, we don't all know how to play piano or violin even right. though i i did like even admittedly, though, you, even though you do. <laughs> I, I did admittedly take like keyboard lessons <laughs> wait, when i was a kid wait, wait, but i okay. was like kind of more like my own thing because right. i was into music but yeah. like i said i'm not good at piano i'm not good at violin mm-hmm. like I just like music but yeah so like i when i went in i I said like i did tell them like i wanted to do more serious work at the same time but they they obviously said like yeah of course but like you need to start off doing comedy work Mm. you need to start off doing that you need to build a reputation first which i totally understand right but it's just at the same time you feel that kind of
0: sense of yeah like, like i'm
1: being i'm being thrown into this first before I have a choice, and mm-hmm. you know, like, well, I think every job yeah. is like that, you know.
0: Like they're gonna tell you who you are before you get to show them who. Yeah. Who you really? I are,
1: can be, right? who, like, or more yeah. like who I can be. Right. Like they they want me to be a certain type before they they want to they want to give me a chance to see who I can be. Instead. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. That's such a good way to put it. Like, but you were saying you felt more of a grudge in the beginning, and now you've been at it for a couple of years. What has changed?
1: I think just growing up in general. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that. At the same time, it's like uh, um, at the same time, I think it's definitely like a process of understanding who you are as a person as well. Because um, everything I just talked about, like um, who, like being who I am, like understanding my identity, like it all happened uh, in the last, I guess, like five to six years. And it's obviously it's a gradual process, and I'm, it's like it's an also like an ongoing process because you're still. Growing at this, at this, as a person, at the same time, and, it, and it's only these last few years that I kind of realized that. Okay, so I guess you could say like it's you're like you're you're kind of being like forced to compromise the world a little bit because right. you're forced to know who you are. You're forced to kind of play by the game a little bit, right? And and yeah.
0: you sort you sort of like kind of figure out what your boundaries are, mm, right? When they yeah. push you to do. Yeah. So you've never done accents or anything like
1: that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've never done it in like a production. But like I think I did it for fun, or like mm-hmm. I th- oh I have I actually have I- rem- yeah yeah <laughs> but like it wasn't like it wasn't like pub it wasn't like it wasn't made like public or I think oh, it wasn't
0: like they, maybe they cut it or something.
1: Mm... I forgot. I, I, but I, I do remember doing like an accent on a project. I think, but I think it was just like, uh, like a pitch or something. But I did do an
0: accent. What, what kind of accent was it? A I, it was a Chinese accent, <laughs> obviously. Are you good at a Chinese accent? Uh,
1: I'm. I, I think I'm just. I'm just gonna refrain from that <laughs> for now. I think I'm better doing a like a Cantonese accent because of okay. Russell Peters. But like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, he totally yeah, does a Cantonese yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 right. I think a lot of like i think a lot of like if you're doing comedic accents in canada or like if you're an asian growing up i think russell peters him doing the accent which is funny he's an indian and and he does and he does like a chinese and cantonese accent and i'm uh-huh. like oh everybody kind of takes influence from it and every time i make that joke of like a like a cantonese accent people would know that i'm referencing mm-hmm. russell peters so but shout outs yeah. to russell peters so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is there is there ever like a part in you like pursuing acting and stuff and like you feel like you want to give up because it's so tough it's like an uphill battle
1: it is and there's definitely moments where you kind of doubt yourself too um uh, i i've i've been talking with some people and then like i keep i honestly keep doubting myself a little bit i think that's just like when you're growing up as an asian and like in the family influence and like in the whole environment thing uh i there's definitely moments where you, you feel like okay my family keeps telling me not to do this. People keep telling me I'm not. I, I shouldn't do this. Right. Do I? Am I really like not good enough to do this? Or do I not? And and do I not have the potential to do this? Or is it just because like people don't see me in that light? Mm-hmm. You know, people don't see Asians as um, like world famous actors. People don't see Asians as like a prominent feature in the entertainment industry. And so you're doubting that. Am I? Am I actually like? supposed to be doing this or am I just like trying to fit myself into something that I'm I'm not destined for and and there's been obviously moments where I kind of doubt myself there's also moments where I chose to kind of distance myself away from arts just because of like the mental toll it has taken on me and I've gotten better at dealing with it but there's definitely moments where I feel a little bit more like discouraged even like a little bit on I, I think I did have breakdowns before on just the subject of why am I not accomplishing the things that I want to, even though I'm...
0: Like putting all your yeah, heart putting, into I am it. I'm putting my
1: heart into it. I'm putting work into it. So why is it that I see people why accomplishing? Okay? Yeah, why is yeah. why why is it people that... There's some people that started at the same time. They have accomplished more than I did. And so why why wasn't I kind of recognized for the same thing? And so, like, it's not really an, a healthy thing to have as an artist because you're constantly kind of comparing yourself to other people. Mm-hmm. But as like, like you know, like I said, like growing up and kind of understanding myself better in the process, it's really, it's like a, it really is a lesson to learn. Like you have to know to not compare yourself sometimes. Like you have to choose those moments where you can compare yourself and those moments where you have to let yourself go and just like understand that. Yeah. Like it's still a process. You need to get there. And it's not like a,
0: and everyone has their own yeah. pace. Yeah. And
1: it's not like a, it is a race at the same time, but it's not. It's a very weird kind of balance that you have to find in this whole, like, understanding of yourself, too.
0: Yeah. To me, it sounds like, you know, be pursuing something like entertainment where you're basically getting way more no's than you'll ever get yeses. Mm. Um, you really have to learn how to handle rejection, know yourself, and kind of keep the fire alive mm. inside mm. your heart to do that kind of thing. Yeah, it yeah. definitely it definitely
1: takes, like, a lot of, like, mental, I guess, strength
0: yeah no that's crazy uh you also told me that you're very like interested in like street dance culture can Mm. can you tell me a little bit more about that
1: yeah so like um that part definitely contributed to a lot of the understanding that i have towards the entertainment industry as well because there's a lot of like immediate reaction or like reception to what you do in street dance Uh, we have a pretty good like community here in vancouver and so i was i was connected through that i was connected to it through like taking a class in the with a loco dancer here.
0: So this is like you were interested in street dance when you were in Vancouver not back in Taiwan. Um it, or-
1: so I I think a lot of people grew up to be closet dancers i mean i'm definitely one <laughs> Wait, as well, well. A so a closet dancer is somebody that dances but only in the comfort and safety of your own home so ah. so you don't have to risk being seen by other people outside
0: Ooh, okay gotcha, gotcha so i think a lot yeah. of
1: us definitely grew up like that i
0: might be a closet it's, dancer
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> definitely i think every, like everybody can be a closet dancer or a singer i'm mm-hmm. sure people sing in the shower oh, yeah. a lot too yeah shower okay. singers uh-huh. so yeah, and and so like i've always been interested in dance but i just kind of never had the um I guess courage, in a sense, to kind of pursue it, and I feel Vancouver has a really good community for that because they will help you grow your confidence as a dancer. Mm-hmm. So I was connected after taking a class and um, with a local dancer here, and after I came back from tai- after I came back to here from Taiwan um, after graduation, I started to get more involved in the street dance community here. I met a lot of people, and then I've taken a lot of classes. I've made great, really great friends. And, and and these last few years, uh, I would definitely say street dance has more of a focus for me uh, compared to um, either music or acting, which is the two earlier things that I started out with. Street dance was the last to come in. I started dancing when I was... Twenty-two, which is comparatively late, when you compare it to other dancers, which started at their like early teens or like, there's kids that start at like, like eight. L- yeah, there's like kids that start at eight and like mm. ten right now, and they're like crazy dancers, like crushing yeah, it. <laughs> crushing it, and and it, yeah, it definitely discourages you when you like go against a kid and you lose. That's definitely happened to me. <laughs> that's
0: when you like, that's when you like can't compare yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to know that, but uh, but yeah, like I started dance late, and then. Uh, but I've been so invested in this community for, like, the last, I'd say, like, six years. Um, and it's definitely kind of um, helped me grow as a person because of all the, uh, the trials and experiences that I've had in dance. And, like, the whole thing like I, said, I mentioned about not comparing yourself to each other. Like, that definitely happened as a revelation when I was dancing. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I've been so invested in this community. And... And right now, like, I feel like I'm more active in this community more than I do acting and music. Uh, so I'm trying to f- find a balance of it. But at, but at the same time, that I care about this community and this culture so much that I feel like I have more of a responsibility to kind of make sure that this community uh, is growing and is thriving healthfully without the influence of cultural appropriation. <laughs>
0: nice no that so so you talked about cultural appropriation can you explain a little bit about that and how what's going on right this This is
1: gonna be okay this is where it becomes not pc (laughs) so so um if um i'm sure people know about tiktok um do you know about tiktok Yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah so there's like a lot of things happening on tiktok right now i'm not gonna go into too much details uh um so there's a lot of Dancers that got really popular due to um, social media um, on it, either, whether on Instagram or TikTok. And um, I made a joke about it with my friends also online that says, like, the most popular dancers on Instagram or on social media of any kind, the most popular and the ones that have the most followers, they're dancers that don't have, they, they don't do foundational. Foundational dance styles. So in street dance, there's a few styles that, that are considered foundations. Like those are the, the building blocks. They're, those are the, the things that, that have a name that can claim a name to their style. Like they can ask, actually call them a dance style. Like, like how you would call um, ballroom dancing like salsa or like waltz. Those are considered styles. Uh, but the most popular dancers on Instagram, they don't do those styles. They do like what we call choreography. So, they're not... Choreography isn't considered to be a style because it has no foundational movements. So, this is where it gets super un-PC. <laughs> so, like, those those dancers on Instagram or on social media, they get the most followers, which means, at the same time, they make a lot of money. They make a lot of money compared to, compared to dancers that do foundational styles. This isn't to say that foundational dancers don't get to make money. It's just saying that... It's just saying that when you compare like this, dancers that do commercial work, which is choreography, and they get to work in all aspects like movies or like music videos or TV, they make a lot more money when you compare it to dancers that do like foundational styles. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that part isn't fair because they make the money, but they're not putting it back to their influences, which are the foundational styles and it's happening pretty often. It's getting it's getting better recently. There's a lot more dancers from the commercial world that are giving recognition to the foundational dancers, to the foundational like veterans and like to the founders of those styles, but it's still it's still a major imbalance between like the resources in the commercial world and in the foundational like the more like uh, original cultural world. And even, even, during, even in the dancer world, there's been a lot of um, controversy right now that's happening in the U.S. Um, recently, there was a thing that happened in the U.S. where um, Beyonce was trying to film a v- music video. This had nothing to do with Beyonce. Shout out to Beyonce, though. Yeah, so, to Beyonce. so it wasn't Beyonce's fault. <laughs> but Beyonce was trying to shoot a music video, and they, they, tried, they wanted to hire dancers to appear on her video. Mm-hmm. But the problem was that all the dancers on that project were seriously underpaid. And that's even for commercial dancers. And so this is what's happening with the whole commercial dancer world. Because one of the major things that's happening in all aspects of arts is that um, people are getting underpaid because people are always comparing prices. And so if somebody offers a job to you, and then if you don't take it, pe- um, the producers or like the the people that pay will say say okay sure we'll just look for somebody else right. that would that will be willing to do it for this price. Exactly. And so that that pushes down the um the, the expectations for dancers to get paid. Right. And so it causes like a huge a resource imbalance. Mm-hmm. And even and this is what happens to even commercial dancers like dancers who do industry work. And then so if that happens to industry dancers, what's going to happen to dancers that kind of just do foundational or like the original type of dances that are not geared towards commercial purposes? And right. so that's a big problem in the in the arts industry and also in the dancer industry. So this is what I've been trying to kind of talk about. And it's really hard to do it because Vancouver has a really prominent choreography scene. Mm-hmm. and And some of those people definitely have like more experience and more, I guess more place in Vancouver because I'm still like relatively new in the Vancouver dancing. But at the same time, there's so much of this still happening, whether it's like obvious or whether it's not so obvious. And I, I just think sometimes I feel like I don't have a place to talk, but at the same time I'm seeing this. And for me, it feels really unfair because this is what's happening. And why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And so why has nobody trying to kind of like try to, not necessarily like put like rub it in their faces or like push it into their faces why are you not changing this but nobody has actually like kind of spent time or uh, try to open up conversations for stuff to improve we right. and and like everything else everything has been trying to like steadily improving but for me as a person i feel like sometimes that's not quick enough so this is what's happening all over the world at the same time too
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's really interesting about, like, cultural appropriation. I noticed, like, the whole time you never use, like, the word black or hip-hop or anything. Like, I find, like, a lot of Asians, like, from my very limited view of or understanding of the topic, like, I feel like a lot of Asians, we do appropriate a lot of black culture. Mm. But we also, a lot of Asians, I feel like, don't fuck with black people. Mm. Can you, like, is that true as someone who's in the entertainment industry?
1: Um... I can't really say for other people but Mm -hmm. like I for me because because of what I do as a street dancer I still try to I make I always try to make sure that I give credit where credit is due because this isn't my culture uh uh, we always use the word that um if you're not if you're not black in this culture you are a guest you can make money from it you can you can participate in it but at the same time you need to make sure that you're giving respect you're giving the proper like props to the people that help contribute to this culture that help make this culture, right? Because you and you can't really claim it because you're not, you didn't grow up in that situation. You know, you you didn't grow up in the neighborhood. You didn't grow up in, in you didn't grow up under privilege. You didn't grow up where people discriminated you because of your color. I think Asians, some, some on some level, did, but it's not as extreme it, as black exactly, people. Exactly. Exactly. And so, uh, it's very important to make sure that like as a dancer for me mm-hmm. to kind of make sure that you don't cross those lines. If you do, you definitely need to apologize, you know, make amends for it. And then mm-hmm. make sure that you're, you're treating this culture the way it should be treated. Right. And then, and then what happened was, um, quickly going to the history of choreography. So it started in California, a lot of, uh, where it like, it all began. It was, it began in the college dance teams where colleges can like different colleges in I guess I think California they competed and then that's where like choreography as a movement as a kind of like a culture really blew up because uh, more and more colleges joined with their own dance teams and that kind of created that whole community and what's interesting it happened in a lot of Asian American dance teams like a, a lot a lot of a lot of Asian Americans specifically like Filipino people I'm trying to not but but this, it is true it, it's even true in like Vancouver as well a lot of Filipino people uh, joined these um, clubs that started off as Asian American clubs right. that's what like one of the first clubs uh, started like in I think in I think in UC Irvine uh, the club was uh, the club was originally like an Asian American club I, th- I think geared specifically towards um, Southeast Asians like Filipinos and Indonesians and so I think I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but so people if listening. Yeah. but like it started off as that and then so more and more Asian American join, Americans joined in like not just like Filipino Americans, but also like Chinese Americans, uh, Japanese or Korean. I think a lot more of them joined in and joined that process of mm-hmm. building that culture. And so that became a culture more prominent in, like, Asian-American culture. And that's why so many people think, like, Asians can dance because of that culture. Uh... They were built up like that. <laughs> but at the same time, a lot of the newcomers in this culture, like, the, a lot of the new uh, dancers or choreographers, uh, the, young, the new generations, they're not totally understanding that this whole thing came from street dance culture, which was, like, the foundational styles of, uh, like, basically, like, hip-hop or, like, funk styles... And, and they, they don't really feel the need to learn it because that's, what, that's not what makes them money mm-hmm. because all they need to do is uh, make up new choreography to new songs, to hit music songs, to so like trap music, to um, Billie Eilish. Oh, yeah. Congrats okay. for winning the Grammy. But, but like they, mm-hmm. they feel like they don't need to learn foundational styles because that's not what helps them make money. Right. And so all they have to do is catch the trend and then they just need to make work based on the trend. And then that's 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 what will secure them, like a good amount of money, like a more stable paycheck. And then since um, social media blows up, all they have to do is post work onto it, and then they'll gain the the follows and the you know the interest of so much more people on social media. And that is literally what's happening to the, the dance, like specifically more the cor- the more commercial industry aspect of it, because they were so prominent and they can make choreography look really well presented on screen. And so they get, they get more job opportunities than foundational dancers. Mm-hmm. And so like this is where the whole cultural appropriation comes in because nobody's actually giving dues or giving like props to the street dance culture. But at the same time, a lot of times they're claiming that, oh, what I'm doing is actually hip hop choreography is, or like a different like dance style choreography. But when foundational dancers look at it, they know, like, yeah, it has influence, but it's not that because it's not fully that dance. You're just taking parts of it and using it for your own benefit. And so, like, this whole process kind of got muddled up, and then people just started taking more stuff from foundational styles, and then they did. And they turned it into their own styles without giving proper credit. Yeah, so I've heard a lot of stories. I'm not going to go into it, but this is the whole like cultural appropriation I'm talking about. And so there's a lot of dancers right now in the world trying to kind of improve it. We're not trying to say that you're not dancers. We're not trying to say that choreo, choreo like choreographers aren't dancers, but it's just that when you're dancing, when you're doing stuff, I think they should be more aware of what they're doing and how, where they're taking it from. And, and because you don't know, you should spend the time to actually dig into it and understand this is what you're taking from and then and then the history and then the essence of it is very important you can't just put a set of moves into whatever choreography you're
0: doing Mm -hmm. yeah you're you're obviously very sensitive towards like dancing and cultural appropriation was this is this something that is normal in the dance community or is this like unique to you
1: um like i think this for me was like i didn't realize it until i actually got into got more into this community Mm -hmm. um But I think that happened, it kind of coincided with my, my own kind of revelation as like an, like as a Taiwanese, as a, as a Canadian, because of the whole connection of culture because Because of like, yeah, because like, yeah, because, because like I, during this whole process of realizing, like I realized how important it was to make sure that the culture is still has the essence, Mm -hmm. you know, like cultures obviously can't evolve. I think all cultures have that. They all need to, they all have that capacity to accept new things and get into it. But at the same time, it's you can't lose the essence and the, the main thing about that culture because if you lose it, then you can't really call that culture the same thing anymore. And so, like that, this whole thing kind of happened at the same time where I realized that my my identity, my identity is important as a Taiwanese person. So right. why should why should um, why shouldn't the uh, the identity of a dance, you know, the culture behind a dance, be as important to other people? You know, as the same. If if I don't, if I think my culture, my identity, should be treated with respect, why shouldn't dance culture be? Why shouldn't the, the origins of dance culture be treated with respect as well? Just because it's a medium for you to express art, just because it's a medium for you to make money, but it doesn't change the fact that it still came from a culture. It came from a culture where the people in it were struggling, and then so that's what birthed this culture. And mm-hmm.
0: so So the culture was like birth from struggle. Yeah, it was. And like disadvantage Yeah. yeah. And stuff
1: like because that. of because of um, because it was created by black people during that mm-hmm. age where um, you know Martin Luther King was was just fighting for the equality of black people in America. And then after that, like we finally had equality in the law, but it wasn't it wasn't, wasn't com- represented. Yeah, in it society, was yeah. It wasn't represented in society. People still discriminated against uh, mm-hmm. POC Even you know, just, today. Yeah, yeah, even today it still is. So if that culture was birthed from that difficulty, why shouldn't it deserve respect? Like, it should, you know, like, and then at the same time, it's just, if you guys are already thinking that me as a Taiwanese, like, oh, it's not important. and I I demand respect from you guys because, like, I respect your culture, so why shouldn't you give that same respect back to me, Mm -hmm. right? And so even me as, like, somebody that didn't actually struggle with, like, building, that my identity as a Taiwanese person, you know, like, even I need respect. So why shouldn't, they get respect, mm-hmm. you know, like it's kind of like this whole. If you know how to respect cultures, you should res- respect all cultures the same way. It shouldn't be based on condition like conditions where like oh, I can choose to re- I can choose to respect this culture, but not choose to re- respect other cultures. Mm-hmm. I right? respect respect should be equal, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of what connected me to the whole thing. And as per, as a, as somebody who feels more, who was growing up isolate, feeling like they were out of place like i like i mentioned the whole thing where people keep saying i'm canadian even though i'm taiwan right yeah Uh, and i grew up in that whole sense where i felt like more like cut off like i was an outsider and so i feel naturally more connected to hip-hop like to dance culture because yeah because the culture was built on that right it was built up from being cut off from mainstream society yeah it was being forced out it was being it was it was birthed out of being outsiders. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I felt a more natural connection due to that. Even though I'm, I'm, I may never experience, like, hardcore racism like what they experienced, right. but I still gravitated towards dance culture because it was birthed of that struggle of being isolated, being looked down as an outsider. And so that, I think, is a very important part of why I feel like it's a, it's, um, I should fight for the equality of not being not being cultural appropriated by whether it's dance or whether it's like whatever culture like i think this is super important for just i don't i i I, not just like for people of color but like for everybody if you if you feel like people should respect you for for who you are as a person then that respect should be should be the same for everything not just like people but also for cultures as well
0: right no like albert that was that was incredibly beautiful like that was crazy I love I love kind of conversations like this because I feel like you know like we're Asian so we're technically people of color but I feel like in the hierarchy of like racism mm. like we we're, we're like we're yeah kind we're of,
1: like kind of smack in the middle where we yeah. don't get that much racism but yeah. we don't get that many fair chances and somehow we're content
0: right right like we're kind of in this like comfortable, uncomfort kind Mm. of situation. But I also find like a lot of Asians, they don't really like to admit that black people go through a lot of struggle. Mm. Right. Mm. So, so I think it's so beautiful that you brought brought that, 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 that,
1: that that, that kind of whole idea was also kind of contributed to the whole cultural appropriation thing, Mm -hmm. because I think, um, I think in Asian culture there's this thing that where we were taught to be like, you know what? This is not your fight. This is not your business. Uh, Just try to survive on your own. That's true. That's yeah. an Asian yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I, and I totally understand where it comes from because you know our parents immigrated to this country to have a better life you know it may not be for me but like a lot of immigrants asian immigrants Mm -hmm. they immigrated to like either the u.s or canada to have a better life and so they struggled and what i've heard from like a video that i watched they have that survivalist mentality so everything they do is meant for you to survive they don't they don't want they don't need to have you know like like better things or they don't need to you know think about Like like spiritual fulfillment They just want to survive Physically And so they pass that Mentality down to kids Mm -hmm. You know But like As times change Like we We're lucky You know We we acknowledge that The fact that Our parents fought For us to have Like meals For us to have a home For us to have clothes Mm -hmm. But we can't keep applying that survival survival mentality into our lives because there's actually so much more to life you know well, and then time change yeah. right and, we'll,
0: and we also grew up here yeah and you know like in Canada it's like hey like your happiness is very important mm. right it's not your, yeah. your job or your status yeah yeah, yeah. and
1: so like we're, we're we have that we have that mixture of like okay it's not your business so don't worry about it and then we also have that we, we, we've also been passed down that survival mentality by our parents or by our like our elders and then we're we're taught to like just okay just worry about your own survival mm-hmm. first and so people kind of think that people kind of have that like understanding okay like other people's business aren't necessarily mine so I don't have to put that much energy into right. it. it
0: has nothing to do with me yeah it has
1: nothing me. to do with me so I don't really need to care that much about it yeah. oh I can talk about it a little bit I can kind of just like you know oh give props or like shout outs to people but you know that's the extent of what I will be doing but mm-hmm. but like at, but in the long run like especially for dance or like your own culture like that's gonna contribute to like your own thing dying mm-hmm. because if you don't fight for other people's rights, and how can you expect other people to fight for your rights when you need it? Right. You know, like totally. it's it's a it's a it's a give and take thing, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're trying to make money from dance, um, how can you how can you expect not to give back to dance when like that, that when that, that's, that's you know, when that's your livelihood, right? That's right. that that is literally what's making you money. And so if you don't give back into it, that culture is going to like slowly die little by little. It's not going right. to die today. It's not going to die tomorrow. But it, if it might die in fifty years, and then. Right. What else would you be able to take from it, you know, if, if there's nothing to take from? Because it died, because you never thought to give back, to help it survive just a little bit longer, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like basically, it's just, like, how do you dance, like, ethically, yeah. right? It's, like, the ethics of dance. Yeah, it
1: is, yeah. it is. But, you know, like, I think a lot of things... In, in like the current society they don't really care about ethics right, right. like, like it sounds point. super it sounds super hipster to say like, <laughs> like, like I, I've, I had this conversation literally in like on Sunday mm-hmm. like yesterday I, I, I we had this discussion with like some some like um, community leaders in art like with my some of my friends too and like, we literally talked about like how this was created and one of the things was anti like anti-capitalism mm-hmm. you know and like it, it feels super hipster and like super like like uh, I guess I don't know if, but like it, it, it is true like you know people care about making money more than they care about ethics and I think I don't think it's wrong to care about money but I think like you can't you shouldn't just care about money and not care about ethics right. at the same time exactly yeah. yeah
0: totally just really quick I just wanted to know your opinion if you had any about like K-pop and, like, hip-hop
1: dance? Uh, shit. Okay, so, I mean, I'm... Okay, I'm just gonna go out and say it. I'm not, like, a big... I'm not a fan of Uh K-pop. At one point, I did kind of have a disdain for it.
0: Is there a particular reason why?
1: Uh, I don't know. I just don't really enjoy, like, their interpretation of pop music, I guess. Okay. okay. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's, like, super, super... I think it's, like, super, super... Like, like super super brainwashing I'm gonna say this oh, okay, it's super super okay. catchy yeah. super super brainwashing yeah. but I feel like for me like if you uh, it feel, uh, I feel so snobbish <laughs> but I'm just gonna say it. I feel like if you're making like music uh, where your goal is to make sure people don't think that much like if your goal is to make people mm. blindly listen to you and follow you and like you right. you know I think that for me is it's not a it's really, not, good, mm. really good really good of music and or, art, or of art. Yeah. yeah, or of art. Yeah. I, that I feel I, that sounds super snobby, but I'm just gonna say it anyways because, I know, I I understand that I grew up with rap music. I, do, I I'm sorry, I grew up with rap, R and B, and like pop music, mm-hmm. but like I still want to make music that connects to people, and right. and I understand like the, I I do understand that K-pop people connect to k-pop i yeah, do understand that so i do understand i know yeah. i do understand that but for me it's just like they're more geared towards commercial performance rather than like personal emotional connection right yeah i feel i personally feel like that correct me if you if you feel like you want to talk to me correct me if you wrong. <laughs> but like i'm fine with it we can have civil discussions but like that's just my personal opinion right. but but i do have to say there are some k-pop music that i do enjoy i i'm not gonna I'm not going to go ahead and say like all K-pop are like bad music. I there are some K-pop songs that I do enjoy from time to time, but I would still not say I'm a fan of K-pop. It's just that, you know, I have a preference for music and I respect your preference. So, don't try to convince me otherwise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Albert thank you so much For coming on my show And like sharing What it's like being No like no no, an Asian no Thank you for having me. I feel like I
1: said too much No
0: this no, is this Like was what is like? like Like you went super deep And like what it was like Being an Asian Going into acting And like dance And, and you gave me a lot To think about Because I never Have tried to pursue acting Or anything like that But yeah The fact that you've done accents And like You were told straight to your face Like hey listen bud You're gonna be Like they didn't do it listen. In a super demeaning way right. But they did it but They did were, it just straight to my yeah, face just, Yeah like, I've never had a job Where someone like Came up to me and was just like, Listen, you're just gonna sit at a computer and smash a keyboard, and you're gonna, we're gonna be, yeah, there, right? yeah. So, like, it, it's a very, it's like, it shows you like how real and cutthroat it is. Yeah, it,
1: from, de- it definitely is. And I, I, I don't think like I'm the only person that definitely experienced it. Right. And I've definitely, and I definitely know that there's people that experience worse, mm-hmm. but like, even for me, which is like, I, I wouldn't consider myself succeeding yet, you know, like, I'm not even close to succeeding in the in like either the average sense or like the the um, the artist sense you know i'm still not be i'm not i'm still not completely able to make a living out of it not yet right. but i'm but like it's like even at that stage where i, c- I can experience these scenes it's just kind of goes to tell you that goes to see that like there's so much stuff that we still need to work on either like as people or as like Asians ourselves we're, mm-hmm. we're still struggling we're still trying to do this you know like and it's, it's an ongoing thing, like, all things in life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, do you want to plug anything? Do you want to plug, like, your Instagram or <laughs> anything like
1: that? <laughs> no, definitely. Of, of course. As an artist, I should, you know, even though I, I, I did not want to do Instagram for, like, a while before I started doing it. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, so, like, yeah, yeah you kind of need Instagram because, mm-hmm. like, all the social dancers are. <laughs> 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 yeah, but, uh, yeah, my Instagram is at um, Albert Music. 1990, which is my birth year. I'm actually turning 30 right now if you can't tell. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, "Oh my god." Yeah, so Albert Music 1990 and I um I also have a YouTube, but you can just I think type in Albert. Last name is Tsai. You can definitely find me on there. I also have a Facebook page also under the same thing, Albert Tsai. That's my last name. Albert so Psy. yeah, Albert Sai. So you can definitely find me on those platforms. Um uh, I I'm I'm doing a little challenge on my Instagram right now um, I've I went back to Taiwan so I had to stop it but you can catch me on that and you can maybe you know see more of my work on there whether it's like singing or dancing or maybe I'll have acting clips that I can finally put on Instagram I don't know but yeah follow me for adventures I do a lot of random things on my Instagram as well so catch me on that
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Albert. Thank you guys.
1: Thank you for having me so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, see you Uh, on the next episode. Bye. Bye, bye guys.